I've got some sad news for you. This episode you've just pushed play on is the final episode of this season of Inspiration on Tap. No! But before you get too upset, I wanted to ensure you that we are going out with a bang. I made it my mission to find a real superstar for our final guest. If you actually bother reading the episode titles, you'll already know who this is. If not, well, let me reveal all. You see, I figured the best way to go out on fire was to find a guest that would really make people stop and listen. For instance, that would have to be someone who is unashamedly confident in themselves and in their message. Yes, yes. It would have to be someone with oodles of pizzazz, seasoning if you will, and not be afraid to tell it how it is. <laughs> in short, it would have to be a bad bitch. Yes. Well, dear listeners, I think I nailed it. Introducing your guest for this season finale. Am I saying like hello everyone? Or yeah. Like, okay. <laughs> Hi everyone. My name is Ibrahim Mohammed. I go by Ibsmo Online. I am a Cambridge University graduate. I am a YouTuber, and I am the founder of BTYS Limited, which is a social action enterprise. Yes, we really got renowned education influencer and YouTube star Ibs Mo on the podcast this week. In this episode, you'll hear all about Ibs's journey from a disadvantaged background in Hackney through to being a Cambridge graduate and how he documented the whole thing on his YouTube channel. You'll hear how the central marketing team at Cambridge University embraced Ibs's inimitable style and got his seasoning on their channels. You'll learn what it was like for Ibs to interview Cambridge's Vice-Chancellor and you'll get some tips on how you can work effectively with student content creators. Not only that, we'll also find out what it was like when Ibs's college told him to stop making videos and start writing more essays. And so hearing you need to stop doing your YouTube videos because some individuals have watched them and they don't really feel as if they support the uni, I was like, what? And when you hear those words, you think, oh my God, how many people is it? Is it everyone? And that's what happened is I thought everyone at the college, all the staff members were kind of just unhappy with it. And I didn't know why, because I was, I've only spoken so positively about my college. So I was so shocked. From the Access platform, He's Ibs, I'm Dave, and this is Inspiration on Tap. As I walked down the drive to Wolfson College in Cambridge, where I was about to meet with Ibs Mo, I felt incredibly lucky to be in the presence of this guy. Not only because he's a bona fide YouTube superstar, an education influencer with more than 100,000 subscribers to whom he has showcased what university life is like and inspired countless young people to strive for it themselves, and not only because he's so influential that the BBC covered his graduation. No, aside from all that, I feel lucky because Ibs is so busy. Right after graduating in summer 2019, he jumped into law school, which he juggles with his own social enterprise, and I managed to meet him between a driving lesson, study sessions in the library, a last minute dinner he was trying to pull together for friends for the next night, before he then flew out to Malaysia to speak at a conference. He's a man in demand, and I'm very grateful he joined us on the podcast. Anyway, I met Ibs in his old college, and we set up in one of their conference rooms. I felt like I was in the presence of a celebrity, 
a very humble one, but a celebrity all the same, and had plenty to ask him, starting with whether he'd gotten used to calling himself a Cambridge graduate yet, and also how law school was treating him. Yeah, I am, to be honest with you. I think when I, the moment I graduated, which was on June 29th, I flew to Pakistan on the 10th of July. So I was working for a law firm there. And then I just flew around in Malaysia, Singapore. I was kind of doing a few talks there. And I think when people on an international level hear the word Cambridge, they're like, oh my God, wow. And that was the moment I was like, okay, I'm a Cambridge graduate and I'm a graduate because I'm done. Like I don't have to worry about the essays or anything like that. I could just now bask in the glory of the name that is Cambridge without doing the work. So I'm very happy and I'm very aware that I'm a Cambridge graduate. Law school is a bit, it's difficult. It's very intense. It's busy, but I love the, I love my classmates. I love the content. I know that law is is the right career path for me. I know that being solicitor is what I want to do. I just think that because I'm self-funding law school, that's the difficulty is because I kind of need to like make sure I work and, and juggle the GDO at the same time and also apply for jobs. But the actual content itself, I love, I love law. Many of you listening to this interview will know Ibs's story. From Hackney to one of the world's best universities, all captured and shared with the world on his YouTube channel. But I still wanted him to tell it back to me in his own words, which is what he did. So I grew up in, in Hackney, East London. I'm from a very stereotypical poor background. I come from a single mother household. So my mum raised um, seven kids by herself. Two passed away, unfortunately, but um, she raised therefore five kids. And I was the youngest, but it wasn't like I was the youngest. And so I learned from everyone and, and did really well. My older siblings didn't really like do education they kind of just really didn't do anything I think some of them were just kind of like bumming around but then when I went to school again I wasn't like promoted to go to school my mom never said you know you should go to school let's get your uniform ready or let's give you a routine it was just very much like I had to have the internal mindset to want to go to school and I didn't like understandably I didn't so during secondary school I absolutely hated it and then I got bullied quite a lot I got bullied for being feminine for being camp like every day and that just made me hate school it impacted my GCSEs really like really intensely and then I also would get a lot of stuff at home my my father was quite abusive when I was younger as well so going to school was just awful and going home was awful and that happened I think till I was like 16 17 then I went to a sixth form called B6 and that kind of changed my life. Going to B6 and being surrounded by students who kind of did come from disabled backgrounds as well and having one or two teachers who actually believed in you, that motivated me to do really well. I did well in A-levels. So I went from my GCSEs, which were two Bs, three Cs, two Ds, to A-star, A-star, A-A at A-levels and then applied to Cambridge, got into Cambridge. And then while I was here, the past three years, I've just made sure that I have tried to make Cambridge very accessible to students who come from my background. So I've been working very tirelessly with the admissions, with with my own my own kind of internet profile, with certain colleges, and just tried to make Cambridge very accessible. And I think it's worked. I think that the YouTube has become quite successful. Um, we've got over 115,000 subscribers, 10 million views, and we won a few awards along the way. And so it's, it's worked. You know, people have said that because of the videos, they've, they've applied to Cambridge. And that kind of took my life, that YouTube basically took over my life. And I was known as the YouTuber or the Cambridge YouTuber. Then from there, I kind of called myself an education influencer. That was the tagline I gave myself. And then I just started to do a lot of talks around the UK, a lot of panel talks. And then it just became this thing where I was known for kind of the access into university person. 
And then I launched the Social Action Enterprise. And then I worked with some really big people, worked with Malala, who was the Nobel Peace Prize winner, worked at Oxford. And we've been launching a lot of access conferences around around the UK. So that, in a nutshell, is basically my life. I kind of went from being a minority, being a poor student, and now kind of trying to be the role model for those for those students. As you're probably aware, Ibs is best known for his YouTube channel, something you have to check out if you haven't already. I wanted to know what inspired Ibs to start the channel in the first place, and it turns out a large part of it was because he was a natural fit for it. I think it was both. One is my personality, I'm quite extroverted. So when I was young, people have told me, oh, you should always be on YouTube. I actually have two channels prior to this, but they just never really went well. And also I didn't know what I was doing. Like I never knew, I didn't have any content. Then when I was in sociology A-level, I would like imagine myself doing sociology videos. So I would basically like want to be a teacher. So I just rehearse in my room, like, oh, this is how I would teach someone sociology A-level. Then when I got my Cambridge offer, I thought, okay, well, I want to do something. I want to do something online. And what kind of need is there? And I realized, well, there is no one that really kind of looks like me or or who acts like me or who does, who comes from my background, who wants to advocate for change at university. So that, that was it. It was knowing that I have the personality to be on camera and knowing that I have a cause now. And then the moment I got to Cambridge, I the first Mukhamus, the first term, I didn't really go on YouTube. Then it was January of, of second term that I just, I, I, I was on camera and then it kind of just went from there. When you spend time watching Ibs's content, you'll see a few things crop up time and time again. And I wanted him to explain some of them. So to start, here's the story behind him referring to himself as the bad bitch. So this was, okay, so this is like how, when I used to be bullied from school, like I actually used to really hate my life. Like I was very depressed and I just used to always be so closed. And then what motivated me and what actually helped me as a person to get confidence was going online, which was watching YouTubers, not to do anything with education, but just watching YouTubers that would like be medicine to me that would just act like as a breakaway and they would be such sassy individuals. So it would usually be people from the the LGBT community, it would be black women that I would watch and a lot of them would say, you know, you have to be a bad bitch, which to translate basically kind of just means someone who is confident, unapologetic and someone who knows what they want and and someone who wouldn't let kind of barriers stop them. So it might be like, you know, a sassy tagline, but it really stands for something really, really big. And so that was kind of the the narrative I had in my first and second year and third year of of claiming that, you know, I am confident, I am someone who really wants to achieve things. Now I'm a bit like, I'm maybe a retired, retired bad I think I need to, you know, focus on my professionalism and make sure, you know, clients like me. But um, yeah, having confidence is is what it's all about and being unapologetically you. And Here's where Bring Them Your Seasoning comes from. So that was literally a joke that one of my friends made. So we were talking about like how dry Cambridge food is, which I know from like from like an adult and an and a admissions process, you're thinking what like what has food got to do with anything? But you have to remember your target audience. We are students who come from minority backgrounds where we're used to something so, so small, like flavoured food or seasoned food. And then we when we made jokes about um, me and my friends about, oh, like Cambridge not having anything seasoned one of my friends said yeah bring them your seasoning and I was like I am gonna run to the back with that and then I said it in one or two videos and then it became a slogan that kind of my followers created and then it, it became this really really big thing and people would send me pictures of them holding signs that said btys and then when we made the 
um, social action enterprise, there was only kind of one name, which was BTYS, Binomial Seasoning. But I will say, I did, I made it corporate friendly as well. So informally, it's Binomial Seasoning Limited, but formally, it's Building Today's Young Students. Because that way, I didn't have to trademark the name twice. I didn't have to pay twice, I could still keep BTYS. But yeah, Binomial Seasoning, which is just like, it's like a cultural phenomenon, I think. The great thing about Ibs's videos is how honest they are. Watch any of them and you'll get a sense of what life is like at Cambridge for a student from an underprivileged ethnic minority background, as well as a ton of useful information and experience on how to actually navigate the admissions process. It's people like Ibs that make us here at Tap HQ such advocates of the power of working with your students to help with your recruitment processes. Anyway, I had to ask Ibs when he realised his content was really cutting through and whether he appreciates the impact his content has on people. I think that I was onto something during the beginning because I just knew what I advocated. And without having a YouTube channel, people would still look up, look up to me and be like, you're my role model, but just because you got A-star, A-star A, and you came from Hackney. So I already knew that I could be someone that people could look up to. And I knew that I had a story to tell. And I knew that through being informal, that there were people who could relate to me. So I kind of knew that. But when the statistics started to kind of really make some noise, I think it actually started in the beginning. I, I did a video about A-level results and then kind of every single week from there, it's kind of gone up 1,000 subscribers a week. And then I think when, because it happened so fast as well, during my first year of university, I had exam season and all these subscribers increasing. It was when students would send me pictures of them in their classroom, watching me on their whiteboard. That's when I was like, oh my God, because I remember being a student and I remember like, Teachers showing me videos of really weird videos of this is what sociology is like, or this is how you apply to Cambridge, watch this video. To now be that video, that's when it hit me like, oh my God, like, wow. I think so, yeah. When you have people tell you, you know, almost every day, you're the reason why I'm applying to different universities, you're the reason why I'm at this university, it does, it does impact you. And also now that my followers, bearing in mind I did this about two years ago, now that they're kind of getting older, and some of them are working in like, you know, the corporate sector now, even having corporate sector individuals come up to me and say, your videos are the reason why I'm here. I think that means a lot. But I think what's the, the two scenarios that really specifically related to me was I had one student called Hassan and he applied to Fitzwilliam. And I remember he used to DM me on Instagram and when he applied, he said, hey, I'm applying. Then when he had these interviews, like, hey, I had my interview. Then when he got the offer, he was like, hey, I got my offer. And then when he got his results, hey, I got my results, I'm coming to Cambridge. And then seeing him here now, so when I was a finalist, he was a first year, and us, like, praying together, or us working together, and knowing this is someone who used to message me a lot, it's crazy. And there are even students at my own college as well who said, I'm literally here because of you. And I think I always knew it, to be honest with you, because if they've said it, they've said it. It was just convincing the admissions departments that, this is what is bringing students here. That took me a long time to figure out. But only kind of this year, people have, staff members have now realised, okay, he's kind of worthwhile. Another reason Ibs' content is so great is that he understands what people want to know when they're choosing their university. He makes the kind of content he didn't really have access to himself. Well, that's the reality. I didn't really have that much. And with all due respect to everyone who did help me, that was the problem is I remember when doing A-levels, not really being guided on how to. When I applied to university, I don't remember being guided how to. We would have this, this standard typical, oh, okay, this is you apply to five universities, you make a personal statement. But no one really kind of told us what goes in a personal statement. I think that might come from just the school that I, that, the sixth one that I went to. I think at the time they weren't really that great with admissions. So I did a lot of independent research and I made sure that I went to university open days. I asked a lot of questions. I became an active student. And I think it was that 
being an active student and actually looking for the information myself, that's what made me want to promote it because I, I found it myself. And then I also knew how to translate it to students who come from my background. You don't really want someone who kind of, well, young people today, they're not really going to relate to someone who kind of comes from a privileged background, tell them how to apply to uni because they can't already imagine themselves there. And there's also little things like I remember doing my student finance and because I come from a family, again, where my mom is registered disabled, so we don't earn any income, only, like only disability allowance, uh, income support, child benefits, stuff like that. Our income on student finance is technically zero. But I remember it took me like a month to figure that out. And I would have arguments with my family because we just didn't know how to do it. And it's no one's fault. We just didn't know how to do it. And it took me a month just to keep calling student finance and ask them, what is the income? And then when they said it's zero, you know, there was your answer. And it's so easy. And then just pointing that online for someone saying, it's zero, by the way, if you come from a poor background like me, it helps so many people. So it was about getting information that was really important, but wasn't really put out there and then putting that onto a YouTube channel. If you're looking for an adjective to describe Ibs, then confident would be a great pick. Not to the point of arrogance, far from it, but Ibs trusts himself and knows the value of what he does. And credit to him, not even the daunting world of history, tradition and expectation that is Cambridge was able to shift that. When I came to Cambridge, because I came from a community where hardly anyone from Hackney gets here, I had a lot of support from staff and students. A lot of my peers were just like, you know, when you go to Cambridge, make sure like you do this, you'll be amazing, like we believe in you. And so when I got here, I didn't feel like I didn't deserve to be here for two reasons. One is I got the entry requirements and I passed my interview. Simple as that, you deserve to be here. So I never had, it's called imposter syndrome. I personally never had it. I always knew that I deserved to be here. There were times where I felt like, oh, I'm not good enough because of the fact that I have to work or I have to, you know, give money to my mom or, or do stuff like that. So financially, I always felt like not on par as everyone here or as supported by my family, but I knew I deserved to be here. Getting here and seeing, you know, all the gowns and the castles, I didn't let it intimidate me. I let it kind of, like you said, reinforce me of who I am and remind myself someone like me can end up here. So I think it kind of just made me realise that someone like me deserves to be here. But that's also why I made sure, you know, the whole bring them your seasoning. And that's why every single ball I've been to, I've always worn like traditional Pakistani clothing. I've always worn it because it's just a statement of I deserve to be here and I am here. And slowly and but surely individuals like like me and from my background are impacting this university. Just our presence, just our presence here is doing is doing crazy amounts. And this year specifically, you can visibly see a change in Cambridge in terms of diversity. So, Ibs made it to Cambridge, tackled it head on, and in his second term started making videos that racked up thousands and thousands of views. Unsurprisingly, both his college and the university soon clocked onto his channel and sought him out for a chat. And while the university wanted to support him and collaborate with him from the start, the first conversation with his college was a little different. He was told to make less videos and write more essays. Quite a range of reactions then. Here's how Ibs found it. So, okay, I remember um, the University of Cambridge followed me on Instagram 
man again i know for people who work in social media and staff members of admissions you're aware that it's just normal people that work in, in these jobs but as a student we don't know this so when i first got followed on the cambridge university instagram i was very worried that they were going to try and shut me down and I remember putting it on my Snapchat and a bunch of my followers were like, they're going to shut you down, they're going to shut you down. And it just became this really kind of fun panic. And then I remember I was finishing a lecture, I was in February. So I've been doing YouTube for a month now. And I came from a lecture, I had my camera and an individual stopped me. And he was like, hey, just want to say hi. And I was like, oh my God, what is happening? And then he was like, oh, I just want to say that like, me and my wife, we watch you, we think you're really great. I work for the University of Cambridge, we work for the comms department. My name is Nick. And I was like, okay. And then Nick was like, we really want to work with you. Let's like sit down and, or let's just like do like an Instagram trailer. And I was very skeptical of working with Nick, but seeing that Nick was just like, so typical, typical guy. It helped me a lot. And then I worked with the central department ever since. And I have got to say, I absolutely love them. Nick will be my best man, like at my wedding. And so will Lloyd as well, who, who's his um, who's colleague. They have mentored me so much and they've worked with me a lot. So from the university side, the main communications, I've been personally nothing but supported. And if I do something that's maybe a bit too controversial, bearing in mind that I'm not experiencing this myself, they will guide me and they will really help me out. My college, on the other hand, or certain staff members at my college reacted very negatively. And I remember once being called into um, a tutorial meeting and I thought it would be about, you know, cause I just, I just had my best friend commit suicide. I had my grandpa pass away. So I thought it would be about that. And and the first thing I, I was told when I sat down was you need to stop making these YouTube videos and start doing more essays. And it wasn't cause I wasn't doing enough essays. I was doing it, I was doing fine. I got two one in my first year, so I was doing absolutely fine. And so hearing you need to stop doing your YouTube videos because some individuals have watched them and they don't really feel as if they support the uni, I was like, what? And when you hear those words, you think, oh my God, how many people is it? Is it everyone? And that's what happened is I thought everyone at the college, all the staff members were kind of just unhappy with it. And I didn't know why, because I was, I've only spoken so positively about my college. So I was so shocked. And then when I sat down with my daughter and my tutor at the time, I found out why. And it wasn't the whole college was against it. It was just two or three individuals, which are those individuals that said, you know, we don't really appreciate. Okay, so I'll give you this one. One of my dosses said to me, when we hear the word girl, we think it's quite offensive because, you know, we're not girls, we're kind of grown women. And I was like, what? So basically I had to refer to like, oh, I said, oh, girl, something like that, right? And I was so shocked because they said to me, as a sociology student, you should be aware that some of these some of these words are harmful. And I think this is such a good example just for individuals to realise that when it comes down to authority, just because they have the Cambridge name, it doesn't mean that what they're saying is 100% accurate. And I replied saying like the term girl, if you say that in any sort of deprived area or any kind of area in the world, if it's urban culture, if it's black culture, you hear girl all the time. It's not a derogative word, it's a pronoun. And I would say it's a genderless pronoun as well. And I know that because I'm a sociology student, I know that because I've socialized with different groups in society, especially those who are disabilities, that is my background. So I would know, I think out of a lot of people based on my experience, the, the, the connotations of the word girl. And having to explain that to a professor of sociology and saying that this is not offensive, 
I was like, what? Why am I even doing this? But it worked, you know, it worked. And I, and I said that. And then the university or the college slowly started to understand understand what the channel was about. But then what happened was there were also some members that really did like it. The boss of the college literally sat me down and was like, I really like your videos. The president at the time and his wife sat me down and they said, they really like your videos. And, and you know, to catch up on the college when we leave, we'll watch your videos. And I started to see a lot of support. And I think the mistake I made was I let the the thoughts of two individuals really stopped me from enjoying my time at Wolfson because then I became very paranoid and and it's and you know it's staff it's a, it's a staff and student barrier that I didn't really want to cross and so I felt really really paranoid thinking the whole college hates me when in reality it's not the case but Ibs got through it all and obviously went on to do some amazing stuff got through it got through it and I was I was very clear about it as well how I felt I spoke about it on my channel and I spoke about it to other staff members and and there was even a staff member who was a communication officer who when she applied for the job she googled me to find out about the job so I was kind of her gateway to understanding more about Wolfson College like many other students so for it to be staff as well that kind of just made me realize that my videos are impacted not just students but also the staff and also the name and the brand of the college if you go now and you say oh I go to Wolfson College a lot of students will say oh is that the college Ibsen goes to so I kind of brought like some attention to the college as well. Coming up, Ibs's views on interviewing the vice chancellor, how universities can work effectively with student content creators and how his time at Cambridge has changed his views on the institution. But first, a quick break. We've all got questions, right? So many questions. Now, think about what questions a prospective student will have when deciding where to study for their degree. Chances are a bunch of questions will come up again and again, so much that you could call them frequently asked questions. Wouldn't it be great if you could give really authentic answers to those questions by posing them to your current students? Well, with the Access Platform's FAQ feature, you can do exactly that. To demonstrate this in audio format, I hassled my colleagues at TAPHQ with my own FAQ, what do you like most about working for the Access Platform? Um, 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 our lovely customers. That was the excitement. How much I learn on a daily basis through both our customers and our lovely team. Uh, the people. Uh, the challenge, day to day challenge of it. Get authentic, student-authored answers to your FAQs while also facilitating peer-to-peer -peer chats and curating and publishing user-generated content in a few clicks with the Access Platform, the premier peer recruitment platform for higher education. We're already working with universities in the UK, Australia, the US, New Zealand and beyond, and we'd love to work with you too. Book a demo now at theaccessplatform.com. it and do it again. <laughs> Welcome back. One of the most heartwarming parts of Ibs's story is how his university really saw the value in what he was doing, embraced it and worked hard to work with him on a variety of projects. Arguably one of the most notable collaborations between Ibs and his university came earlier in 2019 when he got to interview Cambridge's Vice-Chancellor to mark the first anniversary of him being in that prestigious role. The interview is exceptional, you should definitely watch it, and for Ibs, it was a satisfying case of mission accomplished.
That was okay. So I knew I wanted again. I'm a very creative person, but sometimes I lack the means of being able to kind of create certain things. One is I have a busy timetable with a degree and now law school. But I had I have I have so many more ideas. But this idea, the moment I found out we were getting a new vice chancellor, I said I have to interview him. And I knew that I wouldn't be a stuffy interviewer. I knew that I could some somehow like make him laugh. I watched some videos of him as well. He seems like a really nice guy. So I put it. I asked the, the communications department. I asked Nick. I asked Lloyd. I asked some of their managers as well can I do this video and it took a whole year to organize because you know people are just busy and, and people forget things and then you know it just it just goes through the motions but then we we did it one year later sat down with him and I I was I didn't even prepare myself that much because I wanted to have an honest conversation and it was so good and it was so lovely and that that interview has helped me a lot because when I went to Malaysia, there's a university there called Sunway University, and I just went for a meeting, and they watched the video, and they were talking about it in their universities, and they've spread it around. So it has, like, international acclaim, which makes me really happy. I think that's one of the best videos I've ever done in my whole entire life. From that interview, the clip that seems to stop everyone in their tracks is when Ibs asks the VC if he's ever suffered from imposter syndrome. Not so much because he asked it, but because of how open and honest the answer was. It certainly caught many people by surprise, although not Ibs. Because the thing is, him as a person, he seemed really open. And I'm really open as well. So we kind of both had that open discussion. We both forgot that there were cameras in the room, 100%. You forget that there are people behind the cameras. So I wasn't surprised. And I think that that's credit to him and testimony to him as, as a really great leader, that he can still be open despite having, you know, a title. And I think me, despite being a Cambridge student, I still made sure I was authentic to myself. So I think that's just, you know, more power to him. Ibs's channel is one we at TAP regularly shout out when we're talking about the value of peer recruitment. That is, working with your students and have them help advocate for you and talk to prospective students about life at your institution. Given that I was sat with Ibs and had a microphone in front of him, I was curious to hear his thoughts on the concept that we believe in so passionately. Here's what he had to say. I 100% agree. I've worked... So, you know, besides being the whole YouTube thing, I worked for the admissions office during one summer and I was managing the open days and I was sat managing the Sutton Trust summer schools, which, you know, bear in mind, these Sutton Trust summer schools are got a lot of funding, a lot of funding, you know, a lot of funding in, behind them. And seeing the students that they use for student volunteers and seeing that the majority of them did not come from diverse backgrounds, despite the whole point of these schemes are to attract, you know, diverse and disadvantaged students... It just, it wasn't working. So I think definitely having a, I wouldn't say a bank of students, but just having a group of students who kind of come from non-traditional backgrounds and disadvantaged backgrounds, I think it's really important because it's, it's more voices to be heard, you know? The whole idea of, oh, why why should certain schemes be targeted towards ethnic minorities, like Target Oxbridge, for example? Why should they be targeted towards ethnic minorities and not white students? Well, open days are targeted towards white students because that's the majority. Do you know what I mean? And, and the glossy corporate is targeted towards kind of white students. So it makes sense to have a bunch of, of, of students who come from diverse backgrounds because then at that age of, of 15, 16, 17, we're not thinking about the bigger picture as young students. We're not thinking about, oh, but, you know, I'm sure there are diverse people when we get there. We're thinking who is going to be the representative? Who do we see? And I'm sure you might have had that when, I, when you were young. I definitely had that. Unless there was kind of, when I went for some open days, be it Warwick or Exeter, when we as ethnic minority students saw an ethnic minority undergrad, of course we went to them. And that still happens today. 
And I'm a good example of that. It still happens. So it's not about trying to change the whole dynamic and, and showing students, it doesn't matter what you look like. Of course, it doesn't matter what you look like and it shouldn't matter. At that age, that's the reality. So I think it's just, you know, being doing what's realistic. I also wanted to get Ibs's tips for anyone listening to this who works for a university and wants to start collaborating with their own student content creators. I figured he would have some solid wisdom to impart and obviously he did. The first thing I would say is don't be intimidated. So for example, yes, you have a job to do and your job as a staff member is to, you know, make sure that happens and get kids to apply. But at the same time, there's nothing wrong with asking for help. And I've come across two types of people. One, some staff members who really want to work with me and some staff members who don't really like what I do. And when you ask them why, it's because it interferes with their job. And their job is to get people. So why is a YouTuber doing it? Get over that intimidation factor. Just get over that. Work with these students because they're students at the end of the day. So I think just reaching out and telling them who you are, going for a coffee so they can see your face. Because if they get an email from you, they probably think you're some, I thought Cambridge was going to be some old man with, you know, with a gown and a wizard hat behind. Not really like he was just a normal person. Not really it was Nick and Lloyd who were the most like, who were the most casual people in the world. So realizing that, making sure, sorry, that the students are aware that you're a normal human being and then sitting down with them and getting some creative ideas but making sure they have a, a lead role in it because it is it is their channel and it is their content and it's their experience and, and their their currency their artistry is their currency and giving them that that kind of responsibility in that platform so platforming them is i think really really good i think also you have to then worry about you know and this is what's happening i think at cambridge is what's happening with pay because they are essentially helping you do your job but you're getting paid so what is in it for them? And I think for me, at the heart of it, it's always been just helping out and making sure my message was, was spread across. But Nick and Lloyd have helped me in so many other ways to, to build up my CV and, and to, to be my references and to help me get other references. And, and every time there's an article written about me, they will do what they can to share the article online. So they have helped me a lot. They even helped me with, with giving me equipment sometimes if they have anything spare. They've helped me learn how to use equipment. They kind of taught me and, and helped me in other ways as opposed to money. I think the discussion now that universities should have, which I think they should have, is when you hire student ambassadors to represent your uni at open days, what is the difference between those student ambassadors and students who are online content creators? When in reality, we have a bigger reach and we have to deal with the other, the comments and the hate comments and we have to deal with journalists messaging us and asking us to be the main representative. Because sometimes that happens. People assume that I'm, I work for the media department and they want me to give a, a byline for a certain topic. I'm like, I have no idea what's going on. So there was a lot more involved being a content creator online than there was being a student ambassador. So do they get paid? I personally think so, yeah. has finished his undergraduate studies and has gotten used to calling himself a Cambridge graduate, I was keen to hear whether his experience had changed his view of Cambridge. Unsurprisingly, it absolutely has. A million percent, yeah. I really thought that this university was going to be bound by tradition and customs and and was filled with a lot of you know if I'm real racist people at the top and it's been the complete opposite for me personally but bearing in mind that my experience has been with Wolfson and the university comms department and kind of the admissions department my college itself 
because I ran for vice president and I was vice president for a while and being on the tables, on the committee tables with the master and the bursa and the senior tutor and seeing them actually want to help it's actually really refreshing. I didn't think people wanted to help at this uni. I thought everyone was happy. But what lacked was there being a voice or a person for the university to reach out and say, help us. So then I became that voice and I became that kind of extension. So seeing the cooperation between the university and myself has completely changed my view of the uni. And I can honestly say that there are people who are really, really, really trying who are really trying and, and they could be the most whitest person from the most privileged background. There are still some individuals who still want to see Cambridge become more accessible. And again, I didn't think that. And so it's really opened my eyes the other day that Cambridge wants to change. Ibs had to head back to the books pretty soon. So I started to wrap up our chat, starting off by asking my guests what, if anything, he would change about Cambridge. So I think that when we say Cambridge, we say Cambridge Colleges. Because now the conversation has to 100 and a million percent change. When we say Cambridge University does this or Cambridge University does not allow this, it's not the university, it's the colleges itself. If you say Cambridge is not diverse, there are some colleges that are not diverse, but there are some colleges that are doing enough and more. By putting everyone into one group, you're kind of not pointing out the colleges that aren't doing enough. And you're also not supporting the colleges that are doing enough. And that needs to change. I think the the discourse of how we approach admissions as well, they say that there are five admissions staff that deal with your application when you apply to Cambridge. How many of these staff members came from a disproportionate background, came from a disadvantaged environment for them to actually realise that an interview can really affect you, but you could be academically bright. So I think the conversation one needs to change to, we need colleges to take responsibility of what they're doing. And we also need to understand the admissions process more from those disadvantaged backgrounds. Because there's no one there's no one doing that right now. As well as being a treasure trove of amazing content, Ibs's YouTube channel is quite an overwhelming place to visit for the first time. There's a lot of stuff to choose from. So I wanted to know where a newbie should start, what Ibs considers to be his hit single. Naturally, it's a mashup of academic prowess and um twerking. They will see um, a video called Another Week in the Life of a, of a Bad Bee at Cambridge. And it's basically a, a weekly vlog. And it opens up with traditional scenes of Cambridge, you know, the King's College, the River, um, Wolfson College, all the libraries. And it's really dramatic music in, in the background. My friend doing a voiceover in a really posh voice. And then the music breaks down into um, a song called Once Upon a Time Not Long Ago, I Was a, a Blank. Um, and it's by Marilyn, who is basically this really ghetto singer from love and hip-hop so i mixed cambridge university and love and hip-hop which is a very trash tv talk show in america and it's me kind of dancing and twerking in in a, in a dressing gown with a wig on right so for me the reason why i will always love that image is because it's 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 doing what i wanted to do you have an image of cambridge and you just completely destroy that and kind of rebirth something else which is you can have these characters these people who are authentically themselves still thriving at this university all of a sudden didn't chuck me out Cambridge didn't chuck me out they supported me I think just that the first 10-20 seconds of that video for me is just it's just this my life looking at everything Ibs has achieved so far I know I would feel incredibly proud if I were in his shoes as it turns out Ibs is proud of himself yeah I'm really proud I'm really really proud I think sometimes I get lost in the Cambridge environment and sometimes you know you see a lot of students here who are who are doing really well and who are getting jobs here and here and here and here. And sometimes you overthink the stats. You overthink, oh my God, I'm not getting enough subscribers, but 
I know at the end of the day, like I'm, I'm really proud. And it's because my followers have told me, being told like, you know, every day basically that you're the reason why I'm here or the reason why I'm doing well. I, you know, I can't not feel proud. By this point, I really was wrapping things up. Before I got Ibs's motivational talk for any students wanting to follow in his footsteps, I had to find out what was next for this incredibly busy man. The short answer is simply lots. The longer answer, however, is much more interesting. So I'll play it for you. Here's what's coming up for a more mellow bitch. So we're not going to be more mellowy, but we are going to be a bit more influential. So I'm not going to say too much because some things I, I legally cannot say, but I'm obviously still doing um, law school. So I'm still a student and I do want to be a, a lawyer eventually. I want to work for an educational law firm, give me about five, six, seven years down the time. But in terms of content creating, so there's two really exciting projects. One is we are launching something at Cambridge called the Cambridge community or content creator community and we are now going to be working with other student vloggers in Cambridge and mentoring them so I'm the alumni lead of the project so we're going to kind of find the new or young vloggers and just teach them teach them things I didn't know that we could benefit them be it if it's how to film or edit or be if it's how to deal with comments or be if it's how to deal with rumors being spread around just little things so we're going to kind of unite get a lot of students and, and create things together and we're going to be the first university to ever partner um, with content creators so that's going to be really really fun and then so apart from that aspect of Cambridge I'm also going to be working with or I'm planning to work with I'll say the government on something and we're going to be utilizing my channel and my platform and we're going to make it a bit more professional so I'm going to be talking to a lot of individuals from a lot of really cool backgrounds a lot of professionals and just now that I've established that I'm someone who who kind of has a background and, and who has achievements I'm now going to start bringing this conversation not to students I'm not trying to inspire students but inspire you know the people at the top so we're going to be doing that and then also I'm applying for my master's <laughs> I'm doing a lot of like I'm also trying to do my driving tests it's just a struggle but yeah so a lot of things a lot Anything of things <laughs> no that's it so then that motivational piece from Ibs what would he say to anyone listening who wanted to follow in his footsteps it's that you have to work a lot harder than the average student and by hard worker I mean you need to be active you need to literally research as much as you can you need to not rely on the system of giving you information go to the open days or, or go online and, and contact admissions department go to all these meetings that you see that are to do a university take advantage of all the opportunities that there is out there because there are a lot of access schemes now there are so many than there was compared to my year so take advantage of them you can't just expect people to give you things because you are of a disadvantaged background it means by default you are disadvantaged so you have to work a lot more harder and do it and and you know it it, can't, it comes with a few problems you're gonna you know be extra tired and complain a lot and so you have to look after your mental health i recently was awarded um on friday i went to the house of lords and they awarded me the champion of social mobility and i did a speech and i said you know i'm a champion of social mobility amazing it's almost as if i have you know succeeded and and i'm not poor anymore or i'm not disadvantaged the reality is no, you will always be that student because that was your background, that's how you grew up. And with that, you know, climbing this social mobility ladder, every single step, there would always be a problem that you just don't have the coping mechanisms to, to solve. And with that comes psychological trauma. And you have to focus on that as well as building up your CV and putting up your network and building up your, your online platform, you need to build up your mental strength. And so I'm a big advocate for counselling or talking or just, you know, taking days off just to relax. But mental health is the one thing I would advocate for every single human being. Great. 
Oops. You're an inspiration. Happy. Keep doing the good Thank stuff. Thank you so much. I think it's a library now. <laughs> Ibsmo is an education influencer, YouTuber, Cambridge graduate, and law school student. Find a link to his channel in the description for this episode and follow him on Twitter where he's at Ibsmo. Well, I think you'll agree that that was a fine way to round off this season of Inspiration on Tap. Huge thanks to Ibs for being every bit as good as I knew he would be. Now I know Ibs's story is incredible, but he's not the only person out there with such a tale to tell. I can guarantee that if you scratch the surface wherever you work, you'll find plenty of your own students with fantastic stories and who want to advocate for your university and help showcase life there to people going through the admissions process. Some of them might even already be making that sort of content and sharing it on their own channels. Why not make it your New Year's resolution to reach out to them, build relationships, and collaborate on amazing content together? If there's anything to take away from this episode and this entire season of the podcast, it's that your students are your biggest asset. Work with them, get them involved in your recruitment and marketing efforts, and unleash the power of peer recruitment. If you'd like to hear how we at the Access Platform can help you do that, get in touch, you know where we are. Otherwise, just do it. The next Ibsmo could be on your campus right now. Imagine what you could achieve together. He was Ibs, I've been Dave, and for the last time this season, that was Inspiration on Tap. You've been listening to Inspiration on Tap, a podcast brought to you by The Access Platform. The Access Platform is a peer recruitment tool that enables universities to connect their student ambassadors with prospective students wherever they are in the world. Find out more about us and book a demo at theaccessplatform.com. This episode was hosted and produced by me, Dave Musson, and my guest was Ibs Mo. You'll find a link to his YouTube channel in the description of this episode, and he's at Ibs Mo on Twitter. Our theme tune and ad music were written for us by Laptop Philharmonic. Find more of his music on Spotify or at laptopphilharmonic.bandcamp.com. Another music was by Blue Dot Sessions and is used under Creative Commons. If you enjoyed this episode, please subscribe so you never miss a thing from us in the future and so you can easily and quickly jump into season one if you haven't already. You'll find episodes on Reddit, Absolute Units, and even a chat with the elusive University of Bantshire. Also, if you did enjoy this episode and are able to leave us a rating or review, that would be most appreciated. Or just tell a friend about our show. Every little helps. Take care, have a great Christmas, a very happy new year, and we'll see you again in 2020. <laughs>